Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hope Project here at Echo Church. Hey, I want to welcome all of you who are joining us today. Listen, those of you who attend one of our Echo campuses, you're joining somewhere online, somewhere around the country, even some other churches, East Town, Crossroads, all joining together with us today. We're so glad that you're here, and we're so thankful to have you joining today with us, and we hope it's an encouragement to you. Now, for those of you who don't know me, my name is David Hibiski, and I am the campus pastor at Echo's South San Jose location. So special shout out to all my South San Jose people. Man, I miss y'all and can't wait to be able to be back in person with you. Now, we're in a series right now called The Hope Project, and we started this series because, y'all, 2020 has been quite the year, right? I mean, I, I don't know, I, I forgot this until I started looking back at it, but this is the year where, the Australia, was on, where Australia was on fire. This, this is the year where Kobe died. This is the year where we hit a COVID-19 pandemic. This is the year where there's been acts of evil and racial injustice. This is the year where, believe it or not, maybe you heard about this, there were murder hornets. Like, this is the year of all these things happening. And then, you know, what? I started thinking, I was like, oh my gosh, like maybe it's going to end somewhere. And then I realized it's an election year. <laughs> and if anything in 2020, we need some hope, right? And, and I know, like we need some hope in all these different areas of our life. And for some of you, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I've, I've counseled people who have lost loved ones in the middle of all this. I've counseled people who have lost jobs. And I know that some of you are going through pain and grief that the rest of us can't even imagine what it's like to walk in right now. But here we are in the midst of this year that has just been building and has been chaotic, but, but there is hope for us. And there's hope because there's a God who is in control of the chaos. There's a God who can intervene. There's a God who sees you. There's a God who knows you. There's a God who cares for you. And that is why we can have hope. And listen, in this series, what we want to do is we want to help raise the level of hope in our lives, in our communities. And we want to be people who help bring hope because that is what God is wanting to do in us and through us. So here we are in this series. And, and, and I don't know about you. But sometimes when I get into these seasons where things are chaotic, it's crazy, there's stuff happening all around, and it's like I start to feel a little bit overwhelmed. I mean, you ever feel like this? And what happens for me, I don't, maybe some of y'all are way better than I am, but when I get super overwhelmed, I almost feel like I start to shut down a little bit. I start to like go, I don't know what to do. I'm like looking around at everything. I almost feel like I get complacent. Like I'm like, I just don't even want to think about it. But in those times, I need somebody who can lean in and push a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? You, you need somebody who can challenge you. They're going to speak truth. They're going to help identify that way of thinking that's off that you need to correct. They're going to move you to push, to believe for more, to want something better. It, it's almost like a good coach. And, and I don't know if some of you, maybe you played sports in high school. I, I had some coaches in high school um, playing sports. Man, I had a couple when I played soccer that one of them, he was a Marine, and he came down as an assistant coach. And y'all, I didn't know what a ball was that year, but boy, could I run. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, and I, but I had all these coaches who would come down. And, and this is the thing that made a good coach for me, is a coach that I knew cared about me. They cared about our team. Uh, they were a coach that was someone that I respected. You, it meant they modeled it. If we're going to work hard, they worked hard, and they called us to it. It, it was somebody who listened. It was somebody who cared. I, I think about this too. It, it was somebody who pushed me. And, and even at times where I didn't like it, like there's these coaches I respect, I love, but there was times in the field where you're like, dude, I just hate this guy right now. 
And, and I had one coach one time, he said, listen, if you ever get a detention and you're late to my practice, you will run until I throw up. Not till you throw up, till I throw up. And y'all, you know, I got a detention one time and I hated the man for the entire hour because I ran and ran and ran and ran. But the reason he pushed us is because he cared about the team and he cared about us. He knew detention was not best for us. He knew what was best for us was to be right there with the team and he, so he pushed us. And, and sometimes in our faith, we need that push. Sometimes in our relationships, we need that, that push. We need that challenge. And, and right now, as we come into hope, I mean, we're going through chaos. We feel overwhelmed. And, and I just wonder if some of you, you've hit this point where you're, you're feeling a little bit of complacency in your life and you need to have a little bit of push. Because without a parent, a teacher, a coach, a friend, a pastor, somebody there to push us, we will default towards complacency. And when we look at hope, I, I just want to share this idea that complacency is the kryptonite of our hope. Now, for those of you who don't know what kryptonite is, this is the thing that weakens Superman. If you still don't know what I'm talking about, it's probably worth a Google, if you know what I mean. Just go check it out. You'll figure it out. But, but complacency is crippling our hope. It's weakening hope in our lives. And, and it's the thing that when we feel overwhelmed, when we get here, is actually working against us gaining hope. Because the, ant and the antidote to complacency is movement in the right direction. So if we're going to move out of complacency and we're going to move into hope, we've got to start moving into the right direction. And that's really what we see Peter doing during, in his letter to, to the church in 1 Peter. And this is the whole book or letter in the New Testament we've been looking at during this series. And I want to encourage you, maybe you're just jumping in for the first time with the series. Maybe it's the first time back at Echo in a while and you're coming in right now with us. Man, we, we've, we've got a great 40-day journal that our pastor wrote that's going through 1 Peter. We're encouraging people to check it out because 1 Peter is speaking hope into the chaos and into the trials of the early church, which really applies to us today. And here's Peter. We've been going into this series. He's building up this idea of, of where our hope come from, comes from. Our, our hope is not found in the circumstances that we're going through. It's not found in what's going around. It's not found in the government. It's not found in, in other people. No, our hope, even today, our hope is not in all these things. Our hope is in God. Our hope is in the God of the universe, the God who would send Jesus, the God who would come and make a way to take us out of sin and death and remove the, uh, eternity in hell, to give us eternity in heaven, to give us his grace and his peace. Like Peter is writing, reminding them of where their hope is as followers of Jesus. Even as they were facing trials of so many kinds being persecuted for their faith, for their faith, they are facing trials. They are being persecuted persecuted, attacked, and pushed because of their faith in Jesus. And here, Peter, as he writes to them, leaning into encouragement, now we want to look at a part where Peter is going to turn and he, just like that coach, is going to turn and begin to push. And, and here is Peter. I mean, he was a disciple of Jesus who sat with Jesus, watched Jesus teach, saw Jesus do miracles. He helped and was integral in starting the church and building the church as one of the apostles. Now here he is, older, Grandpa Peter, using all of his wisdom, all of his experience to now push us to move in the right direction, to dial in our hope so that we can move forward in it. 
And the first thing we want to see today as we jump into this passage in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 13, is that Peter calls us to have the right focus. He, he wants us to have the right focus when we are in the middle of trial, when we're in the middle of just anything in life. When we need hope, we've got to start with the right focus. And this is what he says in chapter 1, verse 13. He says, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Now, here's the thing you gotta, you got to keep coming back to. He, he says, so, right here. So, in some translations, it says, therefore. What this is, is when he is saying this, he's tying it all back to everything he's just said. Because you've been forgiven, because you have hope in Jesus, because your eternity is secured, because God is calling you his child, because of all these great things, because of who God says your identity is, because of all these, so, now, therefore, this is what we're going to do. And he starts to move us into action, and he says, Prepare your minds for action. You know what's funny? In, in the Greek, when he actually says this, he says, gird up the loins of your mind. That's a very flattering image, isn't it? Uh, but but here's, what it, here's what it means. Here's the idea. Back in this time, everybody knew. Like, we wear jeans. Some of us skinnier than others and stuff like that. But we wear jeans today a lot of times. And um, except for shelter in place, you've probably been wearing shorts and PJ pants all day. So, um, so we wear our pants, but back in this time, they wore robes. Now, if you've ever tried to like run in a robe, I mean, why wear my nightgowns and stuff, you know, I'm just kidding. But, but you know, when you have something down around your legs, it's like you can't move. So what they would do when they were coming into battle is they would actually take the robes, pick them up, they would tie them and wrap them around their legs, tie them around their waist, so their legs were free, so they could get in a battle stance, they could run, they could jump, they could move, they could stand firm, because the legs had to be free when they were getting ready to get in a fight. And what he is saying is he's saying, listen, this is a spiritual battle that you're walking in, your hope is secure, your eternity is secure, you've got God's spirit strengthening you, now get your mind ready for a spiritual fight. Get your mind engaged, be alert, get prepared. And then he says, and exercise self-control. Man, I don't know about you, but when I read this part, I was like, dang, COVID was not good to my self-control. Because he's calling us back to it. He's saying, listen, when you feel complacent, when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel like you want to shrink back and fall in, you're going to, self-control is going to be one of the things you begin to lose. But he also, when he says it in the Greek, the Greek implies to be sober in spirit. So he's saying, get your minds ready for action. And, and when he says sober in spirit, it's like, don't be mentally intoxicated. Don't let things like my pride, my position, my career, my authority, my money, my house, my this, my that. Don't let these things begin to sway you from the alertness that you need as you walk forward. And, and I don't know about y'all, but um, I went, for me, there's so much that can happen in my mind that, that pulls me away, that causes me to lose my alertness. Uh, I'm one of these people, man, my wife always makes fun of me because like when, when I get on something, whether it's work, a hobby, something at the house, whatever it is, when, I, when I'm on it, like, there, there's like two things I can focus on and it's all in, man. I, like I'm thinking about it 24-7. I'm like watching YouTube videos about it. I'm trying to learn. I, I mean, I'm fixated on it. And it's good because I get to move some things, but it's bad because I begin to lose some things. And, and the thing that I notice for me is even in things that are good, 
managing my finances well, uh, wanting to do well in work, wanting to figure out how to parent my kids, or wanting to, like all these things can be good, but if they become the thing that consumes everything, then I lose my alertness. And, and as I sit here and I look at this, I wonder for you, what has your thoughts? What's the thing right now that has your thoughts? What's on your watch list? What's in your brain? What's the, what's the thing that's consuming you? And is it, is it something that's helping drive you towards fixing your hope and being alert in your mind? Or is it something that is pulling you off and more into complacency? Because the direction of our thoughts impact the direction of our life. And in fact, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who's helping start many of the early churches as well, writes this verse in, Philipp- in his letter to Philippians. He says, fix your thoughts... Again, remember, your mind, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. See, he's calling us and he's pushing in on us as followers of Jesus to pay attention to where our mind is leading us, where our thoughts are going, what's consuming them, what are they focused on. And Peter, again, turns to these early followers of Jesus in his letter. And after he says, prepare your mind for action, exercise self-control, he's going to say, put all your hope. Not put 10%, not put 20%. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. See, right here, Peter is leaning in and pressing, and he's saying, because of what you've got as a follower of Jesus, now when you act, you put all your attention, you put your focus, you put your hope on Jesus. Get your mind on him, get your actions on him, get looking towards him, because, he said, because the focus of my life, the focus of my hope, directs the movement of my life. The focus of my hope directs the movement of my life. In other words, where I put my hope is the direction in which I will move in my life. And Peter wants us to know that if we want to experience hope, we have to have the right focus in our life. So how do we keep the right focus? How how do I keep coming back to and gaining the right focus in my life? And I I really do, I, I think it comes back to a lot of the basics. For me personally, even just the rhythms, the habits I have of keeping my mind in, in, in check, challenging myself. I, I mentioned earlier that Pastor Andy has given us this, honestly, it's like a gift of this 40-day journal for us to go through this. He's written it for our church. You can find it on our Echo Church app. You can go to our Echo Church website or go to echo.church slash project. You can find this journal right there and listen. Every day, you just read a little bit, and it's going to challenge your mind. It's going to refocus you on the hope that comes in Jesus, and I believe it's going to help you. Doing that, reading the Bible, finding rhythms of like showing up every weekend to join for one of the Echo services. I'm, I'm weekly. I'm daily. I'm getting in things that are speaking into my thinking, that are refocusing me so that my movement of my life will be moving in the right direction because the focus of my hope directs the movement of my life. 
So you also got to find some people. I mean, last night, I, I was sitting down with my Echo group, and, and we were, our Hope Project group, we're like talking about things. We're, we're leaning into last week's message with Lecrae in the interview. We're talking about things that he mentioned about, about who was integral in our faith and how we're processing things. We talked about racial injustice and things that are happening from that message from last week, and we, we're processing and we're learning together. We're helping each other get better through that. So you've got to find, do I have people and what rhythms, what's there? Come back to it and ask, how am I keeping the right focus? Because again, the focus of my hope directs the movement of my life. So Peter is going to continue. He's going to continue leaning into us on hope and he's going to come in and tell us after the right focus, we've got to have the right movement. We've got to have the right movement because again, the focus leads to the movement. But here he picks up in verse 14 when he says, So you, again the so, remember? The so, the therefore, these all point back to what happened before, what he's just said. Because our focus is on Jesus, our hope is on Jesus, so, again, leaning us into action, he's saying, you must live as God's obedient children. Now, I know some parents just read it and said, "Mm, I wish my kids were reading this and it said, obey me, you know? It's been been a wild ride in my house past couple weeks, I know about you, but he's saying, listen, you, You parent, you adult, you 18-year-old, you teenager, you, those of you, you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. So here he's challenging us with the right movement because he's saying, listen, since our hope is in Jesus, now we live in obedience. Now we live doing what he says. If I'm following Jesus in the direction of my life, the focus of my hope is on him, then I am wanting to do what he is asking of me. I am wanting to follow. I am wanting to do that. I am surrendering these areas of my life. And Peter is challenging us, challenging us to look at our life and ask the question, am I following as an obedient child, the heavenly father who's up above because that's where my identity and my hope is. Because if my hope is in Jesus, then the movement of my life is obedience. Now, let me, let me just slow down and stop here for a minute because I think that, that this actually is kind of hard for some people. I'll, I think some have been burned in religious circles before. When you hear this idea of of obedience and all these different things like that, it it starts to put up these things that make you want to stop because you've been in environments where somebody just told you, they said, you're a sinner, you're bad, you're evil, you did this. I mean, you've been shunned, you've been shamed by things that parents have said or other church leaders have said. You've You've had people where it felt like they tried to use religion to control you and spin you a certain way and it's just made you be like, I don't want anything with this. And, and, and I hate that that's your experience. I hate that that's the way that it came across. Because Peter's whole heart right here, the whole heart in what God is asking us to do is not to see it as he, he's trying to get control. He's trying to guilt trip. He's trying to shun. It's because the God, God has our best in mind. He has your best interest in mind. He sees you. He knows you. He created you. He knows what's going to bless you. He knows what's going to hurt you. He knows what's going to tear you down. And Peter's just urging and pressing in and saying, listen, 
follow after God because he said, he said what? He said, don't go back to the things that you used to do. You know those things. The things that you used to do, he goes like, that, that used to bring you pain. That used to bring you shame. That used to bring you hurt. That used to, that used to bring you baggage. That was the guilt that you carried. He's saying, don't go back to it because then you didn't know any better. And in fact, in the Greek, he's, he's actually saying you were ignorant at the time. But now you know something better. So now that you know something better, don't go back. Don't go back to where you were. Keep pushing on. And for some of you, I, I just wonder for us, like honestly, as I, as I sat here and wrestled with this passage this week, it made me wrestle with my own life and ask the question like, is there anything I'm slipping back in? And, and I looked at it right now as like, all right, COVID. Because everybody I've talked to, we have all like slipped back into some kind of bad habit, not like total sin habit or if I'm falling off the rail, but like I'm not sleeping, I'm like eating too much. I mean, I'm like watching too much Netflix. I'm doing whatever. Like it was, everybody got off and everybody slipped somewhere. But even, even things I look at, like statistics that are coming out, how depression and the way people are handling relationships and porn usage and all these things are up as well during all the things that have been happening in COVID. And, and here is this time where, where we're slipping. And, and Peter's just saying, don't slip, don't slip, don't slip. He's, he's trying to pull us, pull us back towards what's better. And I just wonder if there's any area that you know, man, God's, God's saying you're slipping, but come back. You're slipping, but I got something better. You're slipping, but would you, would you just trust me? And Peter's calling us to trust. And, and he's going he's gonna to give us a little bit of the reason, a little bit of the weight when we go into these next verses because he's going to say, but now you must be holy in everything you do just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And in, this, in this, these verses, Peter is he's actually quoting back to what God would say when he would choose the nation of Israel. He would choose this people and he would call them. He'd say, listen, you're going to be holy because I am holy. You're my people. You are my representation to the world. So you, as my representation, must be different because I'm different. See, the word holy actually communicates this idea of being set apart. So when Peter is saying, listen, the, the reason you've got to be holy is like, you must now be set apart in everything you do. You, you, you must now be different in what you do. And, and not in some weird way, man. It's not, not some kind of, I've got to be all weird, like, oh, I can't, I don't know. You know, we all know those people. Like, no, that's not what he's saying. But think about this. I, I treat people with love and care because God treats people with love and care. I'm kind because God is kind. I'm generous because God is generous. Uh, I, I sacrifice because God sacrifices. I'm different because God is different. Like, like all these things, he's calling us to elevate, to go to the next level in our character, the next level in our integrity, because our hope is found in our living out our faith and our hope is found in our focus on him because the focus of my hope directs the movement of my life. And he's calling us to be holy in our lives, to be set apart. The Apostle Paul, again, would write in, in the letter to the church in Rome, he would say in Romans 12 too, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, 
But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, the whole idea from what Peter is saying is he's saying, listen, your hope is coming from God, so now lean in. Let your mind, your focus, your actions, let everything come and lean into following Him because He is our hope and the focus of your hope directs the movement of your life. And you want to move towards Him. You want to move towards the blessing, the benefits of everything that God is bringing to you through Jesus. So look at your life and lean into it. This is what Peter's saying. Don't settle. Don't go back. There's more for us today. And when I think about this, I also think that there's a huge benefit for us. When we come into following Jesus, if we would live with this idea of I want to obey, I want to follow, I want to do, because saying yes to what God is asking me to do leads to a life with no regrets. Now, let me, let me phrase this out, because again, a phrase like this might make you say, I, I don't know, I don't know. But I know when I look at my life, every time I've said yes to what God's asking me to do, I haven't regretted it. It's been hard. Didn't mean it was easy. Didn't mean it didn't challenge me. Didn't mean it didn't make me like frustrated. Didn't make me... No, it did. But on the flip side, I never regretted it. I never regretted saying yes to inviting somebody to church. I never regretted moving across the country to join friends to start a church. I never regretted giving financially. I never regretted giving my time. I never regretted the phone calls with somebody that I felt like I needed to call at night. I, ne- I never regretted them because I never regretted what God asked me to do. But man, I could go down a list of stuff I got regrets on. Lost it on my kids and snapped out of anger or something like that. Um, looked at stuff on the internet that you shouldn't look at, you know, you, you, um, man, mine always comes back to eating, I don't know about y'all, but man, desserts destroy me, man, like, it's, you know, like, I, I go down all this different stuff, man, and, and never once, though, have I regretted saying yes to what God's asking me to do, and the thing I want to challenge you in is if you are claiming to follow Jesus, now, okay, if, if this is like new, I'm checking out church, you got, there's a little bit of a pass, you're checking this out, you're hearing the heartbeat today, But if I'm claiming to follow Jesus, if you are saying today, my hope is in Jesus, my faith is in Jesus, he's taken my sin, but there's an area of your life that you're unwilling to submit, to surrender, to give control to God in, then there's an indicator there. Because resistance to obedience should be an indicator that something's off in my faith and my thinking. Because if I'm resisting God like this, there's something that's off. It's my understanding, it's my pride, it's my desire for control or comfort, it's my, my lack of trust. There's something off. It should be like the check engine light that comes on in your car and you should do something about it. There's something that is, is flashing saying, I'm not trusting God in this area. But God wants and desires for you to trust him. He's given everything for you to bring you hope and bring you freedom. And Peter's just writing saying, don't slip, don't settle. Step into God's best because the focus of your hope is going to direct the movement of your life. So I just wonder, is there any area in your life that you're holding on to, that you're resisting giving control to God? 
Now, as we talk about this, I think it's kind of hard sometimes to kind of go, all right, how do, how do I play this out a little bit? So I, I want to try and do illustrations. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm a visual person. It helps me a lot. And I think in a lot of times we're looking for hope. This, anybody feel like this during COVID um, and everything going on? You've kind of just been like, I don't know. Like, I really don't know. I mean, like, I'm like homeschooling my kids. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm working from home in some little shoved in a hole closet somewhere. I don't know if the internet's even going to work for this next meeting. You're like, I, it's like, I don't know, man. And you're like, I just feel like I need an outlet. I just need, I can't even like go to the gym anymore. You know, like I'm out in my garage trying to do stuff. And then I, every time I go out there, there's like stuff everywhere. And I got to kick stuff out of the way before I can even work out. And then I'm frustrated. And then I'm just like, I don't know. Sorry, it's just personal. <laughs> but here we go. We start to look around for these outlets. And all these different areas, right? They become outlets we're trying to find hope in. Uh, man, if I can just get this education, like that's going to help me with this area of my life. If I can get this career, it's going gonna, it's gonna to do this in my life. If I, can get this, if I can get this amount of money, that's going to solve it. Then, man, if I can really be healthy, because I've got to be healthy too in the midst of this, and like physical health matters because I see all these pictures of people, um, and they're, they're really, they look better in those jeans than I do. And like, you know, like all these things. I've got relationships. If I can just get married, if I can just have kids, if I can just have, I got, uh, oh yeah, um, yeah, Jesus matters too. He's in this part too. So, but I've got to have fun in the midst of this. And then Netflix, yeah, yeah, that's that's a good outlet. Um, and, and we go through this thing. So we got all these things that we're looking around that are either competing for our attention. They're pulling us in different ways. We're trying to find an outlet. We're trying to find hope in them. We're trying to look at them. But what happens is I think that it actually begins to overwhelm and stress us because now we're trying to, I'm trying to get all of them and I don't know where to look and then I'm just running and then I just, and then I just shut down. Then I step back. Then I get unhealthy. I, I work too much. School becomes my God. Netflix becomes my brain checkout. So I am not alert at all except to that show that I'm watching right now. We just finished The Last Dance. Um, not on Netflix, but that was awesome. So I know this because we watch shows too. And Kendall came to me one day. She goes, is it weird that in the middle of the day I'm thinking about The Last Dance? And I was like, a little bit. <laughs> just kidding, because I was thinking about it too. But we, see, we understand what this is like. So if these things all become my outlet and Jesus is just like a book that I got on the shelf over here, I pull it out when I need it, I pull it out on Sundays, but it's, it's over here, then we're not going to be living in hope. We're going to be living overwhelmed, we're going to be living stressed, we're going to be living pulled. But this is what Peter's saying. Peter's giving us a different paradigm to look at. He's saying, listen, in my life, get my mind alert, fix my hope, my focus is all right here on Jesus. Like in everything, I just got to look at Jesus because the focus of my hope directs the movement of my life. So if I'm focused on Jesus, what's going to happen now when I come to every other area of my life, instead of saying, I got to bring Jesus into this, I got to pull him out of the box somewhere, I'm coming into this area with Jesus as my filter, with Jesus as my focus, with him as my hope. So now I'm focused on Jesus. The movement of my life when I hit my career and my education is saying, God, how do I honor you? What do you want me? Who's the person you want me to see? What's the skill set you've brought into me and how can I use it? You are my hope and you're directing my movement. Now, when I come into Netflix, you know what happens when I look to Jesus and then I go to Netflix? I really am careful as to what I let get into my mind. I'm careful as to what I watch. Listen, some of you, this is going to be a, a, a little bit right here. You, we're watching things that are destroying our minds and our focus on what's most important. 
It's numbing us or it's speaking things that we do not need to see in there. But if I come to Jesus first, when I come here to watch something, I am changing what I watch because my focus is on Jesus. I change the way I spend my money. I change the way I give my money. I, fo- I change the way I focus on my health, my fun, my hobbies. I, I'm in like, I love adventure. I love fun. I love hobbies. Like, I'm like, like, this is my outlet right here. But I got to come to it through Jesus because if this becomes my God, then it destroys my hope. Everything comes through Jesus. This is what he's saying. Because now when I, when I come through Jesus, it directs how I act, how I speak, and everything on the back end. And listen, in 2020, we've had a lot of different things going on. We've had things from, like we said, from COVID to people criticizing government leadership around it. We've got elections coming up. We've had racial injustice. We've had some hard-hitting topics, people. And we have to continue to press into these, not shrink back, but press in, but press in with our focus on Jesus, allowing our faith and our hope in Him to direct how we act in them. And the thing that I've been challenged with is, is for some of us, for some of us in these areas, we've had a lack of engagement where God's saying, I need you to engage. Like it's near, racial injustice is near and dear to God's heart. It is. And we can't sit back and just watch. We can't sit back. We've got to be active learners, listeners, advocates, speaking, and being there. So some of us, it's to look at Jesus and to get involved, to take a step of faith. But for some of us, it's, you're, you're doing all this stuff, but it's to check and say, in the way that I'm doing it, even though I'm moving in the right direction, am, am I doing it in the way that's really honoring God? And I think in everything that we come into, we've got to ask our questions like, how do I build up? How do I bring God into this? How do I speak in ways that reflect I'm moving through Jesus? How do I translate in these ways? Because God is moving. He is working. And he's looking for people who are going to fix their hope on him and let him begin to direct the movement and actions of their life. And our hope is going to come as we trust him, as we move in him, as we, as we move towards Jesus and our faith, being willing to surrender these areas of our life. And I, I, I love how Peter, he keeps coming back so much to the focus of our hope, but also to your value and your identity. And you know, like as we think about this, you, you hear this idea of surrender to God and trusting Him through so many different lenses, but, but Peter once again is coming back to remind of the love and care that God has for you and why, why you'd even want to do this. In fact, in verse 18, he says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was paid with the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now, in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. See, God God came and made a way for you to have freedom, for you to have hope. He paid a ransom with his son, his perfect son. It's the great exchange, his grace for your guilt. And he exchanged him and he's trading him. He's wanting to give you faith and hope today. And this is really where this starts. This is why Peter keeps coming back to it because the focus of our hope 
It directs the movement of our life. And Peter's going to say, listen, there's two things for us. One, start. Start following Jesus. Today's your day. You're joining in right now, and today is your day to say, I need Jesus to take my sin. I can't, I can't carry this. And, and to say, Jesus, would you take it? I'm putting my faith in you. I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm committing my life to you. And you're praying and you're asking for his grace. You're starting to follow him. For others, it's change. The, Bible, the biblical word is repent. It's this idea of I'm turning. I'm changing. I'm coming back. I got off track. I slipped back. But now I'm coming back to what's best. And there's some areas in my life that need to change because listen, it's worth it. God's paid everything and given everything that you and I might have hope. And so today, I just want to encourage you, challenge you, push just like Peter does to start following Jesus, to trust him, to look to him and to be willing to change some of these areas in your life today to begin to focus on the hope that's in Jesus so that he directs the movement of your life. Listen, I want to pray for you wherever you're at today and pray that God will continue to lead you and guide you. God, we pray for each person today. I pray for those who are making decisions to say yes to Jesus and needing your grace today, that they will experience your peace and your love in brand new ways. I pray for those who have areas of their life where maybe are slipping back, that you would bring change in their life, that you would give them the strength, that you give them even the people and the words, the things to be able to move forward and to trust you for greater things in their life. And we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I want to thank you for joining with us today. And I want to invite, especially those of you who are making decisions to follow Jesus today, to do a couple things. One, you'll see if you're on our church online platform, you'll see the button right there that you can click that says, I'm making that decision. We also want to encourage you and ask you, listen, even for others of you who are, are needing prayer, to go to echo.church slash check-in. So you can go here Let us know if you're making a decision to follow Jesus today. Let us know we can pray for you. We really want to encourage you to check in today and let us know because we want to be able to journey with you. We want to be able to help you take these steps in your faith. So make sure you go to echo.church slash check in and check in today. Now, I I know um, for some of you, um, as we come into this time, it's been so amazing to hear the stories of some in the area of generosity in their life, in the way that God's using you to make a difference through your giving, through your impact. And I know for some of us, it's, it's new. And for my wife and I personally, like God has really spoken into our lives in this area of tithing and trusting him. And even more and more, we continue to trust God in this area of giving in our lives. And it's been a key shaper for us. And, and when we talk about the tithe, I mean, we, we really do believe that the biblical ask of God is to trust him with giving 10% of our income. And and so we do that. We've trusted God in that area. And y'all, we've seen God provide in some crazy ways. I was just telling some stories this week of how we've seen God provide. We've seen God make up ways after we acted in areas of generosity and trust to God. But but even, even, listen, as I process this, I'm like, even if it was just out of obedience that I would give, not expecting any kind of like, return or blessing from God, but just out of obedience, it would be enough. Because even as Peter communicated this idea, man, I, I, wanna, I want to focus my hope on Jesus and I want every area of my life, including in generosity, to be an area that I'm gonna trust him in. And so today, I wanna invite some of you that your focus is on Jesus. I wanna invite some of you, even as we have a giving time today, as part of our worship, to take a step to trust him for the first time in your area of giving and generosity. Some of you, you may be your first time even saying, okay, I'm going to trust God in this area and, and you can give today. 
And it's a start. It's a start of inviting God to have every area of your life. And you know what's awesome? Is not only do we experience God's blessing when we give, but man, we get to bless others. And I have loved seeing how God's been moving through our compassion efforts in the community during this time. Listen, we've had talks with people that we've been able to help financially. We've seen ministries go forward and lives get impacted. Listen, we have people joining church online all around the world right now. And, and generosity of our people is one of those ways that's helping us reach more people for Jesus. And so I just want to say thank you to those of you who are giving, those of you who today are taking this step for the first time to go to echo.church give. And you can give today and know that your giving is making a difference, not only in other people's lives, but I really do believe it's going to make a difference in your faith as you move forward in trusting God.